said to him what is truth and when he said when he had said this he went out again to the Jews and said to them I find no fault in him at all so not finding any fault he looked at truth but he didn't realize what he was looking at so Pilate comes across as one who's agitated he didn't want to deal with this This is the second time that he has seen Jesus. He wasn't really wanting to deal with it. So he seemed agitated at having been placed in the middle, what he sees as a religious dispute between the Jews. Uh, his, his sarcasm and short answers reveal the irritation. Jesus, on the other hand, uses this conversation to reveal his true identity to Pilate. When did I don't know if you can remember when Jesus revealed his true identity to us, to you. Uh, I remember, I can't tell you the day, May, whatever, but I know the exact moment that he revealed himself to me. And I literally was losing everything, house, cars, motorcycle, everything. I literally lost everything. But the one thing I realized right there is I gained him. And that is more than anything that a house can have, a motorcycle, cars, everything. That is more valuable than anything. So Jesus revealed his true identity to Pilate. When asked if he was really the king of the Jews, Jesus pulls no punches but responds in the affirmative. And like we just read, uh, you say rightly, I am the king of the Jews. And Jesus tells Pilate that his mission in coming to this world was that of going to the cross Dying to bear witness of what? The truth. That's a hard word right now to use in our society is truth. Because your truth, I'm not talking about you guys, but the truth in the society is totally different than what we hold right here. This is our truth. And this is something that we need to hold dear and we need to like, defend this. There's certain hills that you can stand and die on. This is one of them, I believe. There's other things. Pastor Phil and I disagree on the timing of the rapture. So what? That's an intercollegiate argument. That's not an outside salvational issue. I've always told them when I get there, I'll, I'll save them a spot. So, uh, but that's just something to to discuss amongst people that has nothing to do with your salvational issues. But what does, in Isaiah 5.20, woe to you call evil good and good evil, that is a salvational issue. That is outside of God's will. Because if you look at life, like the unborn human, and you think it's okay, and I'm not trying to rustle anyone's feathers right now but that's life that's created in God's image and we have to look at that that is truth 
by saving his life. So I would be really careful in looking at that. So, so, Pilate, so when he asked, what is truth? This was a rhetorical question. He wasn't looking for a real answer. So what is truth for you may not be truth for me. You say tomato, I say tomato. Don't talk to me about the truth for the truth cannot be really known. And that's what I feel Pilate was saying when he turned around and just walked out. What is truth? He didn't want an answer. So Pilate threw away a glorious opportunity to come to know the truth himself. I can't imagine, literally, I'm talking literally face-to-face with our Savior. and I would hope that I wouldn't walk away, that I would take that opportunity uh, like Thomas did and get on his knees and say, my Savior, my Lord, and my God. I can only pray that I would have that strength to do that. So I want to take a, a few minutes this morning to talk about Pilate's question this morning and ponder it. Okay, I believe the Bible gives enough information about truth so that we can actually answer these questions for ourselves. You spend time every day. You spend time, whatever. Some people don't read. That's fine. Uh, other people watch videos and saturate their brain with this kind of information. I like to do both. I mean, I like to read, and uh, my wife loves to watch videos. My phone gets blown up throughout the day. It's like, oh, I'm just saving it for later. And I'm looking, I'm like, I can't read this right now or watch it right now, but she loves videos. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love to read. So she buys me books, read it, and tell me what it sells. So, uh, so truth, I'm not saying your head going to be filled with just empty knowledge, but this is truth about God's word. So here's a fact. The text that I'm going to use mainly is in the book of John. Of the 222 verses in the Bible that contain the word truth, 22 or 10% are found in the gospel of John. So what is truth? The perception of truth, Pilate's question leads me to believe that he had no grasp of what the truth actually is. Perhaps his thinking had been jaded by the empty philosophies of that time uh, and said truth is unknowable and unattainable. Okay, show of hands. Is truth knowable? Yes. Is it attainable? Can we gather truth? Yes. We have a book right here and hopefully every single one of them either have in, I wish Tim Runyon was here because I give him a bad time. You either have a paperback truth or you have one like this on your phone. I give him a bad time because his is on the phone and stuff like that. I like the sound of the paper rustling. Uh, So evidently, Pilate had come to believe that many in his day believed there is no absolute truth. Does that sound familiar? We hear it every single day. Now they're redefining what recession means. Really? Okay, what is truth? Okay, there is an absolute truth. We can know it, and it's obtainable. We can grasp it. Okay, so here's, we're in the same shape today, I believe, as what happened back then. So, uh, we're living in a day that almost no believers believe, in, or no unbelievers believe in absolute truth. In this nation, 67% of adults agree that there is no such thing as absolute truth. That is sad, that 67% of people in America don't believe absolute truth. Okay. What's worse than that? 52% of born-again Christians think truth is relative. Do you realize that during this COVID thing, that when we were locked down, all these other churches, this woke kind of theology came 
And just based on whatever your skin color is, that you're automatically declared a racist. And this woke kind of, and if, and it's this cancel culture that we live in right now. There's a book I recommend. It's called Christians in the Council or a Cancel Culture. Uh, it's a really good book. And it kind of gives, it's, it just kind of equips you to how to deal with this because it's everywhere. And it's not going to get away. It's not going away. This is going to stay around and it's going to escalate uh, this cancel culture. So 52% of the Americans, Christians, believe that truth is relative and that is sad. Believe what is true for one person is not true for another. According to another survey I read, 75% of professing Christians cannot accept the idea of an absolute truth. My friends, this is a sad, sad statistic because we have access to the absolute truth. We have access to the absolute truth giver and we spit in their face. They can believe what they believe. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Jesus himself in this passage says, to the, I came to bear witness to the truth. Okay, so what is truth? The word uh, from which this is translated means that which is accurate, that which is true in any matter under consideration. It is the opposite of that which is fiend, fictitious, or false. So we, we know that. So for instance, suppose I tell you that there is no truth called the law of gravity. Okay? The law states that whatever goes up must come down. So you suppose that you reject that idea and by being just my truth, the law of gravity, uh, I suppose you go out and jump off the top of the building. You're going to become a believer really fast because the law exists. Uh, if I say a rock is hard, water is wet, and grass is green, okay, you can say that's my truth because you can say, again, whatever you want. Abraham Lincoln once used a very clever uh, ploy to teach some people about an absolute truth. They had come to him with a decision that was based on suppositions rather than truth. After hearing their logic, Lincoln asked, how many legs would a sheep have if you called its tail a leg? They quickly answered, five. The president shook his head. No, it would only have four legs. Calling a tail a leg doesn't make it one. Does this sound familiar in our society today? And I'm not using the leg thing, or I'm just saying that it sounds very, we see that today in our culture, and it's that they're saying one thing when biology says something different. But that doesn't matter because it's their truth that they're relying on. A sheep is a sheep. A sheep has four legs. I, for one, believe in absolute truth. I believe that black is black, white is white, up is up, and down is down. Those are obvious facts that we can't get away from. And we need to equip ourselves, and I keep using the same word truth, 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 all, uh, just constantly, because it's within our church, not here on 6th Street, but it's within the church universal that truth can't be known. And it's getting worse. So someone, I'm not saying me, but it needs to be, the alarm needs to be sounded. That truth is truth, no matter what. We can't water down. This is, a, this is one of the hills that we're willing to stand on and die on, okay? And I think it should be for all of us. I believe absolute truth can be known, it can be learned, and it can be taught to others. In fact, this, 
I've said a million times, that is absolute truth. Okay? But if there is truth, and truth can be known, then how can we learn the truth? Well, for those of us who are saved, the task is easy. So, why and how and from who do we know the truth? It's the Holy Spirit. Okay? If you think about the Holy Spirit, it's easy because not only for the disciples at the time and the gospel writers, he made sure that everything, you couldn't have wrote down everything that the Bible or that Jesus did or said. So what was wrote down are obviously the important facts of what we need to know. It's like that analogy of the Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth. Sounds pretty clear to me. So then how can we learn it? Okay, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, Jesus tells us three times in John's gospel that the Spirit of God is truth. Excuse me. John 14, 17, John 15, 26, and John 16, 13. You think it's important if John keeps telling us that we can gather truth and it's the Holy Spirit is the one that's gonna give us the truth. So John 16, 13. Excuse me is especially important. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So it's through the Holy Spirit that we can gather the knowledge and we all have that indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us when we become saved. This verse tells us that the Holy Spirit will reveal everything, thus teaching us the truth. Therefore, believers are in a better position uh, to learn the absolute truth because of the Holy Spirit living within us. The world, on the other hand, has a spirit within them. And we see that. It's plain. If you just turn on your news, we can see that, which blinds them to the truth. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4 4. So 2 Corinthians 4 4. In their case, the God of this age has blinded their minds or blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we see that the, the God of this world, this God of this age, the God of this air, uh, Satan, the spirit of Satan, has blinded their eyes, Okay? So it's harder for them to see what's going on. It's harder for them to see the truth. And we see that, I mean, every single day you turn on the news, which I don't, but every single day, if you did, you would see this. You would absolutely see that there's some things that you just, if I had hair, I'd pull it out because technically, no, I wouldn't. But uh, it's just, it makes you cringe that how can someone actually say this how, and actually believe that? And that's the hard thing is, I mean, before Roe versus Wade was overturned, three days prior, 
the average Joe on, I didn't mean that in, but, but the average person on CNA couldn't even tell you what a woman was. And then three days later, wow, they know what a woman is. So where's this truth coming from? Because they're blinded. They're blinded by Satan. And that's scary. I can say that I was blinded by Satan uh, for many, many years in my life. I believe that all roads led to the same God, whether you were, uh, just name a religion, uh, which is sad. There's only one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And when that finally hit me, I was like, wow, that's the truth. So then all my Mormon friends, when I was living in Utah, I'm like, dang, you're following the wrong road. And so we would witness to people. I was blackballed. My family was blackballed, but we would still witness to people. So this accounts for the fact that they, as far as being blinded by Satan, uh, this accounts for the fact that they will consistently reject the truth and choose lies instead. Okay? This is hard within our own, our society, or not just our society, but let's bring it home a little bit. What about within our own doors, our friends, our families, our coworkers? We don't have that opportunity to actually have an open discussion anymore. We can't. Even if we disagree, disagreements are great. Phil and I disagree on things. Pastor Phil, sorry. Uh, Pastor John and I obviously disagree on things. Uh, That's a good thing to have disagreements and conversations. And we can, at the end of the day, if it's not a vital issue, we can agree to disagree. But when you have things that are core beliefs, again, we need to stand firm and not cave. Like this book that I'm reading right now, there's ravers and cravers, or ravers and cavers. Ravers are the people that, here's my hill, doesn't matter what it is, who you are, or what you've said, I'm just and just like attacking the person. Well, that's wrong, okay? I have people in my life I disagree with their, their lifestyle, I guess you can say. Uh, and I've been, I've been that raver before. And that's not going to win an argument at the end of the day. It's just not. Okay? And I realize that. You'll lose your testimony just like that. Okay? But then you have, on the other hand, the cavers who don't want to stand for God's truth and they cave to uh, the culture. That's the part. There's got to be a happy medium in between them. You've got to stand firm but not cave because this is a, a truth that we, we're willing to stick with and we need to stick with it to the very end. This demonstrates why they live their lives the way they do, talking about the non-believers with Satan and their attempt to justify their sins before God and man. The guy that I'm reading right now, uh, he tried to, he was homosexual, and he was trying to be, go from not only being homosexual, but also go to church. And he tried to redefine the gospel and the Bible to fit his theology 
Well, we can't. We can't do that. We have to take, we have to take our, whatever our theology and our thought, we need to conform it to this, not the other way around, not conform this to our thoughts. Okay? It's very clear what the Bible says. We might have a hard time swallowing that truth, but that doesn't matter. That's our problem. That's not saying there's a problem with the Bible and God's word. That's our issue we have to work out. Jesus believed in absolute truth. Why? Because he was. He was the absolute truth. Uh, He believed in absolute truth so strongly that he came to this world. Why? He lived, he died, he bore witness to the truth. Yes, there is such thing as truth, regardless of what the society tells us. The truth can be perceived and it can be known. We're blessed. I mean, we have, we have a wonderful staff. Uh, I even hate saying that word. We have wonderful friends and people that are knowledgeable in our church that have a heart for God. Uh, that they care. They care about all of us, you guys. Uh, some new faces that I see right now is probably because I sit back there and I see the back of your head all the time. Uh, a couple bald spots, I'm just letting you guys know. So, uh, so I don't see their faces a lot. I see the back of their guys' heads. So anyways, so... But we love you guys. And it should be this mutual fellowship amongst all of us that I'm looking out for you, you're looking out for me. If I say something wrong, oh, trust me, I want to know, okay? I definitely want to know if I'm saying something wrong or out of the way. Trust me, either John, uh, Pastor Willis, Pastor John, Pastor Phil, Chris, it, it, somebody's going to tell me. It's like, yeah, I think you're off, off your rocker a little bit. Uh, but that's, that's the love. That's that sharing the truth. We want to make sure that we're all in the same. So, this truth can be perceived and it can be known. So we look at the power of truth. Okay, not only does Jesus tell Pilate that there is such thing as absolute truth, he also tells him that this truth has power. Amen. Amen. Jesus, the truth has power to conform, to change our lives. Absolutely change our lives. I've witnessed that. I'm a testimony of that. The power of God has going from drinking and smoking dope and stuff like that. I mean, I ran into a buddy of mine that I, I used, knew in high school, grew up with him all through junior high, known him since like, I think it was like eighth grade, and ran into him uh, at a hardware store. And I literally, he was like a raging alcoholic back then. I'm thinking, oh, he's probably the same. He didn't recognize me. I recognized him and I walked up and said, hey, is your name Kevin? He's like, yeah, why? He's looking at me, and I said, Kevin, da-da-da-da-da. And he's like, yeah. He still didn't recognize me. And I told him who I was, and he's just like shocked. So we talked for a few minutes, and I, and I said, hey, I'd love to catch up with you. I have no idea where his theology is, where he's saved or he's not saved. I handed him one of my cards, and it was like this. <laughs> because of my lifestyle that I had, the drink in, the drug in, stuff like that. And it says on my card, pastor of church. And it was just, it took him for like, oh, oh. 
we'll get together sometime. <laughs> so that told me right there that he's probably not a believer, or he is so shocked that he's still kind of like walking out the door like in, in shock, like seeing me the way I used to be. But there's power in it. So truth, when it's perceived, touches the heart of God's children and draws them. Turn with me to John. Go to John 3, 21. We might get out of here early today. Don't say amen. Just kidding, just kidding. So John 3, 21. Really? Man, this is a hard crowd. Yeah. All right, so John, John 3, 21. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Man, that's cool. So when they come to him and embrace the truth, coming to him, meaning when they come to Jesus and they embrace the truth, they can and will experience its power in their lives. Notice the power contained in absolute truth. Our culture today hates the light, absolutely despises the light because the light reveals the truth about their lives. Thus, the hostility and the, uh, the just nasty name calling. Just because I disagree with someone's point of view on a certain subject doesn't mean that I hate them. But that's what their perception is. If I disagree with their lifestyle or I disagree with their stance on something, like, I, I think abortion is murder, okay? I, that's just me. I, I'm gonna say that. It is. Life starts at conception. Amen. Two minutes after that, two seconds, whatever, that oh, precious little thing is made in the image of God. So what if they have a different address for nine months? That's all it is. It's just a different address. And then I would come out screaming too if I came out in a nice little warm, cozy home and then come out screaming and get slapped by a doctor. Man. So, but that's why we're, we're haters if we disagree with that. Because why? Light is revealing their hatred, their life, their belief so when you have that light illuminating that, the only thing they can do is lash out. And we see that every single day. And it's getting worse. Truth has a power to liberate. John 8, 32. When Jesus said this, let's look at it, John 8, 32. Take that back. You might not get out of here early. Just kidding. So, John 8, 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Thank you, guys. So the truth is, truth does set us free. Not just from, I mean, you just name it. Whatever, I don't know what, what's going on individually in everyone's lives. Uh, but whatever it is, it will set us free. He was telling his hearers that the truth had the power to deliver them from their bondage to sin and the law. 
It would literally set them free in Jesus. When you come to know the truth, you come to know something that sets captives free, opens a blinded eyes, heals the broken hearts, okay? Transforms shattered lives uh, and ruined lives. Fills men with the love of God, the peace of God, and the joy of God. I don't care what you say about what's going on in the world right now. I mean, it can be like, Kim, we were just looking at our pocketbook as far as like what we're spending on groceries every single week. I mean, it's literally doubled. Okay, so yeah, my, my pocketbook is crying out, uh, but we can still have joy. We can still have that joy of the Lord in our hearts because we know where the truth comes from. We know this is temporal. This is not eternal. Even though it may seem like uh, a loaf of bread, like $5 for a loaf of bread or whatever, but we need to look eternally. We know the ending of the story. We know Satan gets defeated. But the people that are being influenced, that's what I want to focus on. The people that are being influenced by the God of this era, the spirit of Satan, those are the people that we need to deal with. And we need to address. We need to love them. Even if they're in a different lifestyle that we agree or disagree with, we need to love them where they're at. We can hate the sin, but we need to love them. And we need to share that love. We can't be haters and screaming at them and getting those arguments and stuff like that where we might have a tendency to prove that I'm right and you're wrong. We can't get into that argument because what's going to happen? We're going to lose every single time. So the power, excuse me. So the truth has a power to separate. John 17, 17. In this passage, Jesus is praying for his disciples and for us also. Spend some time and just read John 17. Chapter 17, just read it. And just sit back and ponder it for an afternoon, okay? It's, it's probably one of the funnest, I say fun, but it's one of the neatest passages. It's, you can, it breaks it down in like three different, just read it. It's just, I can sit there and read it over and over and over again, and I just sit back and just go, wow, my God is good. I mean, he is just the trifecta, praying for himself, praying for his disciples, and praying for us. That is just really cool. Sanctify them through thy truth. The word sanctify means to render something holy, to dedicate or consecrate something to God. It means to be set apart. And that's what we are. We are to be set apart from the world. We can be in the world, but we can't be of the world. We can't have one foot in, one foot out, because guess what? You're out. hate saying it. Truth is truth. Actually, I don't hate saying it. And Jesus says, the truth of God has the power to cleanse us. Amen to that. Make us more like our Heavenly Father. I've heard it said that sin will keep you from this book. Or this book will keep you from sin. It's all about perception. Okay? When I've done stupid things uh, in my past, well, probably almost every day, ask my wife. But uh, 
when, when you've, I, I've always had that thing, if I'm just like, I've done something and I know I shouldn't have done, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. I'm just so disgusted with myself sometimes. I don't know if anyone, I don't want to see hands. Please don't show me hands. But that's how I am. I can't look at myself in the mirror. I just feel so disgusted that I've done this, I've said this, or whatever, so I won't even look at myself in the mirror. Uh, but then I got to realize that, and it's like, I, I, I don't want to pick up my Bible, I don't want to watch something on TV, because I have that feeling that I'm not worthy of it. But this right here, this is when it says, sin will keep, it'll either keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from. That's when you need to get in to the Word of God and start studying and sit back, open your Bible, pop up a video on YouTube. Guarantee we probably watch hundreds of hours of YouTube every week. Um, but that's when your heart needs it because that's what's going to cleanse it because the power of God is truth and it's a trans. Transformational truth. So, so what a truth. When you yield yourself to the truth of God's word and walk as the spirit directs you, you will find your life becoming cleaner and more pleasing to God. <clears throat> His truth sets us apart and cleans us from the inside. Truth has the power to invigorate. John 4, 24. Here Jesus tells the woman at the well that the truth will make you want to worship. Okay, and I want to take a moment. I wish Mitch was here. You guys can relate to him. That thank you, T. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, Mitch, if you're listening or whatever. Uh, because the worship in the morning—it's not just like Chris has said many times. It's not just cool tunes, but it's like it's getting you in the spirit. I lean a little bit towards T because I think the drummer is actually. Uh, kind of up there a little bit higher than everybody else. I'm just going to have a little bias for drummers. So, uh, but you see, real worship is acknowledging him to be everything. Real worship rises out of the heart that has been saturated with his truth. Can you say that your heart is saturated with his truth? Man. Real worship comes about when the Holy Spirit takes the truth of God and makes it clear to us. When we comprehend who Jesus is, stop. Think about that for a second. Comprehend who Jesus is. I mean, that's another afternoon. Just, compliment, just, just comprehending who Jesus really is. what he has done for us, what he is doing right now, it will leave us at the feet, just at our feet, like literally on our knees, crying. But if we don't understand the truth about who God is and what he's done, then our worship is absolutely warped. It's not true worship. Until we know the truth about him, we cannot truly worship him until we know who and what he has done for us and continually doing for us. There's nothing like the truth to put a fresh spark into our worship. So, a great philosopher uh, said, and we're talking about when we're looking at our, our culture right now, uh, 
when it talks about knowing the truth, knowing that there is absolute truth, or what our culture is saying, there is no absolute truth and you can't know truth. Uh, And based on what our culture is right now, this great philosopher said, if you eat too many woke cookies, (laughs) your view of Jesus, truth, and God will be warped. You're wondering who that uh, great philosopher was? His name is John Cooper, okay? I don't know if you know who John Cooper is, okay? He's the lead singer of the band Skillet, okay? If you haven't heard Skillet, there's a podcast. You should look it up. It's called Cooper Stuff, okay? It's really good. Uh, he's a hardcore, born-again Christian. Uh, Skillet's probably one of our favorite bands we listen to all the time. Really good, but he's, he's grounded in God's word, and he is not afraid to share it, Okay? And he will definitely tell you. So anyways, he's all about eating too many woke cookies and that's going to warp your worship. So, and it will. So the personality of truth. So we have learned what truth is, why is it important, and what it can do in our lives. Now we need to know where to find the truth. We know. It's in God's word. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit led John to write it plainly for us. Notice where the truth can be found. The scripture is truth, John 17, 17. We know this. Everything either stands or falls right here. If the Bible is inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God, as it claims, like 2 Timothy 3.16, then it and it alone is a final authority. And the standard of living for all of us. So not the opinions of men. Pastor Phil has said that many times. Not the musing of great philosophers except for John Cooper, of course. Uh, not the teaching of great religious leaders, because we've seen that recently, the fall of a great religious leader, because he had a secret life, and he fell. Because if you're not totally grounded and committed into his word, you know what, that's what's going to happen. When you put yourself, like, if you go to a bar, if you're an alcoholic, uh, the last thing you want to do is go to the bar and say, God, grant me the strength not to drink. You know what he's going to say? get out of the bar. Don't put yourself in bad positions, in bad situations. If I know that I have a friend that is going to always like just jab me and jab me and and try to, uh, what's the word, Uh, get me into these crazy conversations and these debates, I'm like, no, I'm going to stay away from that. Because you know what? This is not what I need. Okay? It's not what he needs either. So we're going to stay away from that. But we know that God's word is complete, it's final, it's infallible, and it's inerrant. There's no errors. So however, if, if the Bible is wrong and cannot be believed, then our foundation is destroyed. And we have no faith, no hope, no rules. If the Bible is a lie, then there is no absolute truth. Yet we have raised a generation that has been taught to doubt the truth of this book. We have a generation right now. Luckily, you have Chris. It's a generation that loves God. We have a younger generation right here loves God. Why? Because we have parents that are teaching them this. Okay? Not just that. Because 75% of the kids that go to college lose their faith within the first year. Why? Because they don't know what they know. They don't know how to defend what they know or why they know it. 
They're just do, doing it because, oh, my, my dad was a Christian, so I, I assume, oh, I'm a Christian then. I was raised in a Christian home. That's not the case. We've got young men right here that want to know God's word, who's turned their lives over to God's word. Why? Because it's this individual who wants it. Not because of dad or mom. It's because they want it. They want it for their lives. I didn't have that growing up. I had zero religion in my life. Zero in my life. I don't know what would have happened if I had it in my life growing up. I don't know. I'm a pretty rebellious person, so I'm thinking I still probably would have been rebellious. But I just don't know. But luckily, uh, God turned that around for me. When a child sits in a classroom and hears that the earth is billions of years, I'm a, I'm a young earther, okay? I'm just going to throw it out there. If you're old earther, that's okay. Uh, we'll talk later. When a child sits in a classroom and hears that the earth is billions of years old and that man evolved from a single cell organism over millions of years, the foundation has been destroyed. Genesis chapters 1 through 11. You can't believe. If that's not true, then our foundation is destroyed. If, if God did not make man in his image then it is not wrong to kill babies through abortion. Because we're just, just basically brain squirts. That's all we are, okay? If we're not made in God's image, that's what's happening. That's all it is. We're nothing. We're just like, Beep. But we know that's not true. Because the first law of biogenesis, law, as <laughs> the first law of biogenesis, life does not come from non-life. Okay, explain to me. You have more faith as an atheist to believe that than I do in... God, in the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Boom. So to be an atheist, you have more faith than I do. So if the man evolved, and there is no sin, there is no right or wrong, there are no absolutes. You might as well live like you want because there is no hell. Because if there's no heaven, there's no hell. There is no accounting to God, there is no afterlife, and the first 11 chapters of Genesis are not true then you might as well junk the whole book. If God lied in Genesis 1.1, then he is not worthy to be trusted anywhere else in the Bible. If you can't, if you can't trust Genesis 1.1, you cannot trust John 3.16. When we take the Ten Commandments, that was a sad thing when they took the Ten, Ten Commandments pretty much out of everything. Notice what happened to our society? Back in the 60s, as soon as you take the Bible out of school, what happens? Sorry, going downhill. When you take the creator of everything and the sustainer of everything and you kick him out of our society, what happens? We start going downhill. Say that the Ten Commandments aren't relevant for us today. Jesus summed it up into two. Love God with all your heart, mind, strength, everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's the Ten Commandments. Make it easy. Drop them down to two. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, there's Ten Commandments. Tell me that's not relevant today. It is very relevant today. When we tell a society that the Bible cannot be trusted, we undermine the foundation. Okay, we have that in mass, mass numbers of churches across America right now that they call them evangelical churches, but they're teaching them this stuff. We need to be that voice out there. When we treat the Bible like a giant buffet, uh, anyone go to the Golden Corral? Anyone know what a Golden Corral is? It's like my favorite restaurant. I love it. I go home just going, I'm dying. Why did I do that? 
This is like one of the best buffets, Golden Corral. Anyways, but if we treat the Bible like a, like a buffet and uh, choose the parts we like and ignore the parts that bother us, personally, we undermine the foundation. There's a price to pay for our haughtiness, and the price is the absolute or the absence of truth in America. We see it again in our current state uh, of cancel culture. There's no more dialogue at all. Do you see why being able to trust the Bible is important? Uh, it is absolutely so important. In his pages, we learn about God, creation, salvation, sin, good, evil, family. If that foundation is destroyed, then there is no basis for truth. And if there is no truth, then everybody is right and nobody is wrong. Thank God we can trust the Bible. It is the word of God. It is inspired. It is the truth. It is without error. I'll try to speed this up real fast. I have way too much stuff to just talk about. Uh, the Savior is truth. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father without him. Period. Only through him. I don't care what you say, what you think, however your view is or whatever, you can argue with him. But you go face to face. It's only by him. Is this an exclusive club? Yeah, you know why? When you, when you invent and you create the club, you can invent the rules too. So uh, we're in a universe that God created. Jesus sustains his rules. We don't have to like them. It's just those are his rules. And Jesus plainly calls, plainly calls attention to the fact that he and he alone is the real deal. Jesus was and is the embodiment of truth. All other would-be saviors are merely just pretenders. I was going to go through real quick and look at like the source of knowledge. We look at, let's just for a second, and give me five minutes and I'll wrap this up. If the life of Jesus or the Messiah could be encompassed in a circle, so just imagine this big circle, and this is everything that Jesus said or did. When each of the four gospel writers was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write an account of the life of Jesus, no one was able to include everything, okay? So Matthew wrote, uh, he had a very specific audience. It was to the Jews. Why do I say this? Because in the first century that once Jesus came, the truth was out there, there needed to be a source, of where you can find this truth. And all these other believers were coming to the disciples and finding truth. So Matthew, his idea was Yeshua, the Messiah, the king of the Jews. So he picked and chose what he, what he felt fit his theme because he was addressing the Jews. So he was picking all these different things that Jesus said and did, and that's what you see in Matthew. Okay? I'm going to skip a lot of this, but trying to wrap it up fast. Uh, the Gospel of Mark, Yeshua, the Messiah, the servant of Jehovah, okay? Mark's audience was what? To the Romans, okay? The culture of that day, and in the context of the Roman Empire, their main interest was action. You say it, you do it, it's complete, okay? Well, Jesus was just like that. He said it, he did it, complete. He came here on a mission or a commission to save us. And that's what he did. The Gospel of Luke uh, portrayed his gospel as this, Jesus as the Son of Man. Okay, he wrote to the Greeks. 
The Greek had two major areas of interest. Like you got the philosophers, philosophy, and the athletic, <clears throat> the athletes. Okay, he showed Jesus's humanity. He was hungry, uh, tired. Uh, the the aspects of being human. Okay, so we saw that in the the math or in Luke. John, John portrayed Jesus as the Son of God. The Gospel of John was more of an evangel- uh, evangelistic gospel. And so, therefore, the author's intention was to prove the messiahship or the deity of, of Jesus. And you can see that in John 20, 31. The words that are written in the Gospels are, are just as true today as they were in the first century. Obviously, some of the words that were spoken and some of the things that Jesus said and did, or even in the Old Testament, especially in the Old Testament, was geared directly towards a certain society, a time period, and stuff like that. But can we glean things from those things? Absolutely, we can, okay? We can go to the Old Testament and see, I mean, we look at our society. I mean, just last, like, three or four cycles of, like, presidential cycles. I mean, look at, look at the Old Testament. You've got the, <clears throat> the Jews... They're obeying God. Everything is good. Like, oh yeah, we're good. We're going to start bringing in these idols. And all of a sudden, they start going back downhill. I was like, oh God, we need your help. All right, fine. We'll send you a prophet. Boo, we're going to come back up. And then we're doing good again. And then what happens? Woohoo, we're doing good. And they're going to start going back down again. All right, so that is a cycle in the Old Testament. And you can see that cycle. Well, do you see that same cycle here in America? We see it. But we need to get on that ride up here and we need to stay there. And know that God has our best. This is the thing. God has our best interest in his heart. We need to know that. So what is truth? It is the difference between night and day. It is the difference between in and out. It is the difference between black and white. There is no gray. It's the difference between being saved and being lost. So what is truth? The Bible is true. Jesus is the truth. And if you accept those as truth in our lives, we have a standard for living and we have a reason for life. But if you reject them as our standard, if you reject this, I'm blind if I take my glasses off. I realized that I have another pair of glasses. This is my like prescription prior to my newer ones. I didn't realize that the plastic lenses, when you drop something really, really hot on there, it burns and it melts. So I've got this little dot right here. It's like a little melted spot on my other glasses. Uh, and they're like really cool Oakleys. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. And so now I've got this little dot right here. It looks like I'm looking through a fisheye prism. So I had to bring these things back out of storage. Uh, but the reason I say that is we have to put our, our, I don't know what you say, our gospel glasses on. Everything we see, it needs to be seen through the lens of God's truth. Everything we see, everything we do, 
And our belief system has to go through this. Because if it doesn't, then we're going to possibly be on that lost side where that one foot is going to be in the world and we can't get back because we don't want to give this up. But we have to give that up. But if you reject this as your standard, then you have no absolutes and can do as you please. However, if it does not change the fact, this, whether you believe that or not, doesn't change the fact that the Bible is true and Jesus is still the only way to heaven. Okay? It doesn't change the fact. I don't care if you call that little thing on the back of a sheep a, a leg. It's not a leg. It's still a tail. Okay? I don't care what you believe. It's still a tail. So the things of God are true whether we accept them or not. That's the hard part. That's the thing we need to grasp. Whether you agree with it or not, I don't care. If it's a solid truth that the Bible says, I don't care if you believe it or not. Okay? It's still true. If you don't believe that Jesus exists, I'm sorry. He did. And if you don't believe that we were created in God's image, I'm sorry. We were. Thank God for the truth. Pilate looked straight excuse me, looked truth straight in the face and he walked away. We've seen this truth. We've seen his truth. Our society looks truth right in the face and spits in it. I think it's time for us to get off the bench. We've kept it warm long enough. It's time to make a stand. This is a hill that I think we need to stand on. Okay? And if it means dying on, and not being one of those that cave to the woke society and watered down versions. I mean, Mormonism, it's watered down, totally different than this. I don't care, they might believe in Jesus. It's not the same Jesus I believe in. You can believe whatever you want to believe in these different religions, okay? But if it's not based in this and the foundations of this, in Genesis 1 through 11, chapter 1 through chapter 11, then John 3.16 is not true. I believe John 3.16 is true. And I think most of us here do too. Let's go to the word in prayer. Oh, you are the word, Jesus. You are the logos. You are the truth. Lord, we just thank you for this time that we've been. Uh, hopefully, it's been your word that we see. Hopefully it's inspired us to, to know your truth, to know your word, and to make it known to us. If we're believers, then his word should just encourage us, strengthen us, uh, invigorate our hearts to share your word. And share your word. Whether we have loved ones, whether we have friends, co-workers, if the opportunity arises, stand our ground. If it's a hill that we're willing to stand on, which is your truth, then give us the courage, give us the strength uh, to stand on your word because your word is true and your word does not come back void. Plant the seed. Lord, I just ask that today, we just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this opportunity just to share my thoughts uh, in my study. Thank you for this crowd. Thank you for my friends and family that are here because you guys are my family. Uh, Lord, I just ask that you bless this, uh, our individuals, 
that we have in our church. Bless the people that weren't able to show up. Uh, Lord, I just ask you to just prick their hearts to just to make a stand on your truth uh, and just encourage them. I lift everyone up here. Uh, I, I pray that we have a good week. I pray that we put someone, Lord, just put someone in our lives. Put someone that crosses our path sometime this week that we can encourage, share the truth.